Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Wall of Power Radio Hour. I'm your host, Paul Metza. We have a returning guest, a man that I have nothing but the utmost respect for. Charles Pierce is an author and is probably one of the most astute political bloggers on the scene. He blogs for Esquire.com, and he's kind of a Twitter uh, magician as well. Also a sports nut, and he survived four years of college in Wisconsin at Marquette University. Uh, he's... Uh, like everybody else in politics, has a lot of um, uh, stuff to cover. So, Charlie, thanks for taking time out today. Oh, Paul, it's great to be back. How's, uh, how's everything in the uh, in the mighty land of 10,000 lakes? Well, we are, uh, today it's going to be about 65 degrees, the sun <laughs> is out, and uh, it's what, uh, you know, summer, fall, and spring is why we stay in Minnesota. Absolutely. Yeah. Because winter is not the reason. <laughs> winter is hell. Charlie, there's been so much going on uh, since we last spoke. Um, but I want to talk about a story that really got uh, thrown under the bus. There wasn't much uh, uh, about it, although it caught my eye. And that was the death of Meadowlark Lemon. Yeah, I did not, to be perfectly honest with you, I didn't know he was still alive. Yeah. I mean, I hate to say that, but... You know, he's fallen, I mean, he fell out of the, uh, you know, out, out of the spotlight when the Globies, you know, sort of got overtaken by the fact that, like, everybody in the NBA does more amazing stuff than the Globies ever did. <laughs> uh, and so there was no real call for it. But, uh, yeah, I mean, he was, a, you know, he was an icon of, I'm sure, my youth and yours. Oh, absolutely. Uh, for those the, the you that uh, don't know, Metalark Lemon uh, was one of the key players for years and years and years on the Harlem Globetrotters. I got to see him as a kid uh, in Duluth, Minnesota at the arena. And I swear to God, when I think back on it, it, it kind of sparked my love of swing and jazz because, you know, they use Sweet Georgia Brown as their theme song. That's right. And and, and they and well, I don't know whose arrangement it was, but it was terrific. I mean, I, I was 30 before I realized that song had lyrics. <laughs> it's a great tune. And... Um, but I remember, uh, you know, they used to, and you remember, you know, back on, on Saturdays and Sundays, they used to play those Globetrotter games on television. Sure, and, they, yeah, and they'd play Sweet Georgia Brown, they'd do what they called the circle, which was, you know, the, the hidden ball tricks and stuff at midcourt before the game actually started. It was, uh, and what was it? Was it the Was Washington Generals? The Washington Generals with red clots. With red clots was the captain of the Washington Generals. What an insufferable team to be on! But uh, I'm sure. I'm, hopefully, they made their money. So, and I, and I'm sure they never threw a game. Absolutely not. <laughs> so now they fell. They fell. They fell for the confetti in the bucket like 900 <laughs> games in a row. But I'm sure they never threw it. I forgot that. Yeah, the confetti in the bucket. God, it was a lot of fun, though. Uh, clean American fun. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's, you know, some racial aspects to Abe Saperstein and stuff that are very unpleasant in retrospect. But right. when you were a kid to watch these guys, you know, and I go back far enough to when, before Marcus Haynes left the Globies to start the Harlem Magicians, I remember I remember seeing Marcus Haynes with the, uh, with the, uh, the Globetrotters, and then going out in my driveway and trying to do that stuff, and I'd wind up like abrasion from ankle to hip. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm going I'm I'm to dribble, I'm going to slide and not lose my dribble. No, <laughs> I'm going to lose all the skin off the outside of my left leg. A <laughs> lot of fun, man, growing up. Must, and... must, be, must be like learning to play the guitar before you have the calluses. Well, yeah, especially when you start um, uh, in the garage learning your moves in front of a full-length mirror, you know. <laughs> hey, even Springsteen cops to that, for God's sakes. Oh, I know, I know. I mean, I don't, I don't know any rock and roller who didn't. I mean, uh, <laughs> I mean, you know, you know, Pete, you know, Pete Townsend always says that 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 his band or who were the mirror because you could because they saw themselves in the kids in front of the stage and the kids saw them themselves in the band. Yeah, this was back in you know in the pre rock opera days but uh yeah i mean i, I don't imagine there's anybody who didn't you know comb their hair in a thousand ways as rod said <laughs> well and two our mutual friend gary popovich uh, the golfer and after the last time we and that's how i met charlie pierce for those of you out there in the wall power radio land was through our mutual friend uh, uh gary popovich my college roommate yeah and he said uh, you you drove him nuts uh playing uh the who on 11. Oh, yeah, because I, I was I was 
my our third roommate was sleeping off a Saturday night with his headphones on, or a Friday night, and uh, for some reason he had the radio tuned to the local FM station, and Quadrophenia came out that day. Wow. And he, he had heard the song on the radio, uh, he heard Love, Rain, or Me on the radio, and he told me, and I ran down to the great radio doctors, which isn't there anymore, the record store in downtown Milwaukee at, uh, at uh, I think it was Third and Wells, and I bought a copy of Quadrophenia out of the box. They hadn't even opened the boxes yet, but I knew a kid who worked there, so he took the box cutter and opened it. And I think I may have bought the first copy in Milwaukee. Wow. And I went home, and yes, I did, in fact, play it about nine days in a row. <laughs> well, when you... I, I, I almost I almost, I with Popovich into an early grave. <laughs> well, you know, and he's always, we're Facebook buddies. He's always, you know, he golfs all over the country, but I'm not sure if he's that good of a golfer. I think he's just in it for the clothes. Well, I don't know. He, he 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 purports to be very good, which is a surprise to me because I didn't even know that in uh, in college. But uh, he is a picker, though. He's yeah, a fine he's, picker. We've we've jammed together. He's a really good banjo yeah. player and knows his knows his music, which is why, uh, which which is one of the reasons we get along so well. Hey, we're gonna have some fun here in the first uh, segment of the Wall of Power Radio Hour before we get into some serious political stuff. Uh, so you spent some serious time in Wisconsin. Uh, I did. Point or Lineys? Uh, Lineys. Lineys Lager. Okay. Uh, and, and you can, when I was there, this is very funny. I went to a, this is kind of embarrassing. I went to a student journalism convention in, in uh, uh, La Crosse my, uh, my junior year. And at that time, you could only get, you couldn't, this was before Lineys got bought out and became like a craft beer. Mm-hmm. You know, a national name in craft beer. You couldn't even get Lineys Lager all over Wisconsin. There was only one liquor store anywhere near campus that sold it. Uh, and I, I was just very taken by it. And, uh, you know, since then I've, you know, I've, I've seek, I've, I've sought it out, but you know, I can get Liney's, you know, lemonade, blueberry, uh, you know, strawberry milkshake, summer shandy. Oh in yeah. Massachusetts, but I can't get the damn lager. Yeah. Yeah. It makes and, me crazy. And all that, all those foofy beers. Uh, yeah. I was doing a gig about two months ago. And uh, there was a very well-known brewery here in town. And so they had a gin and tonic beer. <clears throat> and I, I tasted I told the guy, I said, if I want a gin and tonic, I'll order a gin and tonic. If I want a beer, I'll order a beer. I don't eat them both together in the same glass. <laughs> I went up to my local uh, you know, a while back, and I looked behind the bar. There are 19 different flavors of vodka. Oh, yeah. Now, the whole point with vodka was it didn't have any taste. Right. That was the whole point in drinking vodka. Right. Now, oh. they, have, now they have they have bubblegum vodka. They have cotton candy vodka. Oh, I know. Who it's... asked for that? Was there a demand for that? Well, and then and it's kind of blowing the cover for all those. And I used to have a <clears throat> general manager I worked for for a blues club that shall re- remain homeless that uh, <laughs> uh, he, he, got, he got busted because the vodka for years – if you like to drink on the job, you could drink a pint on the way to work, and you wouldn't smell it. But now, with the blueberry and the bubblegum vodka, it's get, yeah. completely blew those uh, closet drinkers, um, brought them into the light. So you were just uh, touring Wisconsin for a while. Yeah, so. I was I was up there uh, last weekend, and uh, I went to see Randy Bryce, the iron worker, who's running for Paul Ryan's seat. How's he and, doing? Uh, he. Yeah, how's he doing? It, it's it, again. It's it's. I mean, he's probably a little bit behind because he's had uh, a dark money avalanche bury him in the, from Paul Ryan uh, Super PAC over the last couple of weeks. But he's holding his own, and I think that's going to be the story of this election. Is we are headed into recount hell. Yeah, absolutely. There so, unless there's a late surge for the Democrats, which I'm beginning to wonder whether or not there might. There, I, I'm beginning to wonder if there might be. Uh, we're going to we are going to see razor close rage, races. With a lot on the line all over the country. Well, one of the when I started uh, following you a couple years ago, uh, Charles, um, you referred and still do uh, to Paul Ryan as the zombie-eyed granny starver from the uh, state of Wisconsin, which is also right. a Koch Brothers subsidiary. Yes, well, that's uh, Scott Walker. He's the uh, the goggle-eyed homunculus hired to be the, the manager of the Koch Brothers subsidiary, formerly known as the state of Wisconsin. He's in gigantic trouble, by the way. Oh, it's not wonderful. He's probably go- he's probably going to lose. What is your feeling on the streets? You know, when you're going to the bars and restaurants in Wisconsin, could you pick up any vibe? Well, I mean, I, I get the sense that Walker's time has passed. Okay, that was over. That was an overwhelming feeling. Okay, uh, Tammy Baldwin, the, the incumbent Democratic senator. She's been gifted with a terrible opponent, so I think she's probably all right. 
uh, uh, like I said, Bryce and, and Steele down in the first district down in Racine. Uh, that's six one half dozen another other. I wouldn't pick that race. I think Steele's probably a little bit ahead because it's a it's a very precisely drawn Republican district. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, because it was drawn for Ryan. But Bryce is putting up a hell of a fight. I'll tell you, you gotta love anybody who goes to a debate with no coat and no tie and with his sh- sleeves rolled up <laughs> to get her done, right? Get her done, man. Build, you know. As, as he said, I know. I, I know a lot about my district because I built most of it. <laughs> yeah, love that guy. We've got to Charles Pearson, the Wall of Power Radio R for the whole show uh, tonight. We've got a lot to get to, so uh, stay tuned, and we'll be back with Charlie uh, after a little music in the break. Number one source of the Twin Cities gay scene is all digital. Follow Twin Cities gay scene on Facebook and Twitter. Sign up for the Scene Shot email blast for weekly updates and chances to win great prizes. No app is needed to view the bi-weekly web editions of Scene. It's GLBTQ media for the mobile generation. Find it all at TwinCitiesGayScene.com. That's TwinCitiesGayScene.com. Being a dog is awesome, except when you really gotta go, but you're stuck inside. That's why I had my human called the Urban Dog. Daily walks, field trips, play groups, one-on-one time, safe off-leash play, and pet sitting. I love being an Urban Dog. The Urban Dog works with your schedule and can create a plan that fits your needs. The Urban Dog. Exercise, explore, socialize. Let the journey begin. Call 651-231-6333. That's 651-231-6333. Woo, woo, woo. Litton's Party Value has moved one mile north. Get into Litton's Party Value is easy. Google 913 Plymouth Avenue North. Litton's Party Value's new location has the same great fun party holiday celebration supplies. Visit our Halloween section for your Halloween party and decorations and costumes too. Litton's Party Value has the selection, the quantities, and the low warehouse pricing you love. Visit our new location, 913 Plymouth Avenue North. Yes, free parking, or shop online, partyvalue.com. I'm Steve Conklin. And I'm Jake Duroff. We're the hosts of the Mortgage Talk Show, Sundays at 1230. Steve, what are we going to talk about this week? This week we talk about the Fed is no longer boosting the economy, how much rising rates can cost homeowners, and how Bank of America is finally giving back. Check us out for more information and email us any questions at mortgagetalkshow.com. Tune in to The Mortgage Talk Show every Sunday at 1230 on AM 950. This is Chad, owner of AM 950, here to tell you about Snap Construction. They're experts in roofing, siding, window, and insurance restoration. They have energy-efficient products available for both residential and commercial properties. This spring, when we needed a company to take a look at a problem with our roof, I called the company I knew I could trust, Snap Construction. I've known Ryan, the owner at Snap Construction, for years, so I knew I could trust him. Don't just take my word for it. Check out their reviews online. They are arguably the most well-reviewed exterior contractor online in the metro area. Over the years, Ryan has always said the same thing to me about his work. If we build it, shouldn't we be held accountable for the work indefinitely? He backed that statement up years ago when Snap Construction was a pioneer in offering a lifetime craftsmanship guarantee on all their work. For a free estimate or general questions, call the locally owned company AM950 Trusts Snap Construction at 612-333-SNAP. That's 612-333-SNAP or find them online at snapconstruction.com. They have financing options available. Welcome back to the Wall of Power Radio Hour. This is your host, Paul Metza. My guest for the whole show tonight is a man I really enjoy uh, on his blog. I follow him on Twitter, and uh, as you could tell from the first uh, segment of the Wall of Power Radio Hour, he's a, a great guest. Charlie Pierce, I have gotten hooked on crime podcasts. I listen to about an hour or so before I go to bed at night. And I've been following one uh, that ABC News did. Uh, it was called Killing on the Cape about uh, Krista Worthington. Did you? Yeah, f- that was a 
Yeah, that was a, a, a an enormous deal uh, out here for uh, oh, been a part of a year, uh, and there's always been a, you know there's always been a little bit something hinky about both the investigation and the crime itself, and apparently there's some exculpatory evidence or, or allegedly exculpatory evidence starting to starting to emerge now. Right, and for those of you that might not know about it, Krista Worthington was uh, a single mom. She had a two-year-old. She uh, spent a lot of her time uh, writing for fashion magazines in New York City. Uh, moved to uh, Cape Cod. What was the town, Charlie? Do you remember? I'm not exactly sure. Yeah, uh, I think Chilmark, maybe. I's I'm not sure. Yeah, and so uh, anyway, she was... No, Chilmark's on Martha's Vineyard. Don't strike that. That's... Okay. That's where Lillian Hellman's buried, but go ahead. (laughs) So she was uh, murdered in 2002 uh, when they discovered her. Um, She was nursing. Her two-year-old was trying to nurse, trying to wake her mommy up. It was just a tragic, tragic uh, turn of events. They ended up arresting the garbage man uh, who had uh, had uh, sexual relations with her the night before, uh, but denies killing her. Uh, it's really a great podcast, and uh, this guy's been sitting in jail now since 2006, uh, but the story is now rearing its head. Uh, why I bring that up, other than it's, I really recommend the podcast, Killing on the Cape, is you must have been aware of Whitey Bulger for years. Well, yeah. I mean, I have, uh, I have, very, I have, I have good friends who were threatened by him. <laughs> uh, and one of, one of my favorite people... Uh, and this is somebody you can find on Twitter and you should probably get on the show, is a, a lawyer named Anthony Cardinale. Okay. Uh, and Anthony was a lawyer for several uh, of, you know, the extended family, if you know what I mean. Right. But a couple of his clients were framed for a murder by Whitey Bulger and by John Zip Connolly, the crooked FBI agent. Right. In, in, with whom Bulger was in league. And Anthony fought for years to get these guys out. And it was partly through that effort that people found out that Bulger had been an FBI informant. Wow. Now, and that was so Anthony's terrific. Anthony has a wonderful take on the Trump family as a conventional crime family. Oh, man. I'd love to. <laughs> I will follow him as soon as we're done taping the show. Yeah. Uh, Charlie, what is, uh, tell people out there exactly who Whitey Bulger was. I've well, seen he was, it. Whitey, Whitey Bulger was, Whitey Bulger was the member of, who grew up in, uh, in South Boston. Uh, his brother William Bulger was the president of the state senate right. for years, for years and years, and, and was a straight arrow as near as anybody could tell. Uh, but Whitey was, a, you know, he, he is by any measure a serial killer. Wow. He was a member of something called the Winter Hill Mob, which was an Irish mob, kind of like not not entirely different from the Westies in New York. And at one point, he and a guy he grew up with, a, 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 a FBI agent named Don Connolly, worked out a deal whereby. Whitey would bring, help them bring down the Italian mob in Boston uh, under an, a guy named Gennaro Angelo, uh, at which point Whitey would pretty much get away with anything he wanted. Wow. Because, Con- because Connolly would cover for him. And that includes, <laughs> you know, upwards to 13 murders. Wow. Uh, and including one time, uh, Whitey was trying to get out of the, I think out of the country. Now, this is, I'm a little dim on this. And he had an incredible, like, $100,000 in a suitcase. And he got stopped at uh, the security de- the security line at Logan Airport, and he had gotten tipped that there was a warrant out for him. So he threw the money up in the air and then took it on the took it on the arches, uh, and was eventually run to earth in, in in Santa Barbara after you know 16 years or something. And you now he now sits in a federal prison. But yeah. he was he was a, a, a vicious even by mob standards a vicious. Uh, Psychopath, uh, and he was covered for by the FBI, which of course was an enormous scandal once it broke. Mm-hmm. Well, I, uh, I and John Connolly is now doing time in Florida. <laughs> the crazy uh, web that gets uh, woven. What uh, did you see? The I forget the name of the movie. Did you see the movie where Johnny Depp plays Whitey Bulger? Black Mass. Yeah, that's written. That was written uh, based on a book written by a couple of friends of mine from Boston Globe, Dick Lear and, and Jerry McManus. Uh, I thought, uh, yeah, I did. I thought, I thought, I thought, uh, I thought both Depp and Cumberbatch were both very, very good. Yeah, I thought, and I, they didn't, and, and they didn't, and they didn't tie themselves knots over in knots over the accent. Yeah, which a lot of people do when they try to do people from Massachusetts. Well, then you know, you just you you, you name drop something. I want to ask why you said Worcester. Now, what, why is there an R in that? 
What's fair? Because the Brits. I blame the Brits. Okay. Uh, it's 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 W O R C E S T E R. That's the home of my. my that is my birthplace. Oh and really? It's, oh yeah, I grew up in Worcester. Yeah. Oh, cool. My, my grandfather. My grandfather was a cop. My father was worked for the as a teacher and administrator in the Worcester Public Schools for thirty five years. Wow. You know, it's uh, uh, you bring up a, a point that's always kind of bugged me. Nobody actors can do a New York accent a lot easier than they can do a Boston accent. Yeah, the, 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 everybody overcompensates. Yeah, uh, and and it, the older people try to do Jack Kennedy, which was <laughs> which was a very unusual one. Right. But uh, you know, I can remember uh, Andrew Stevens trying to be Michael Ruzioni when the, the very first movie about the nineteen eighty hockey team. Yeah, <laughs> it was just it was just awful. <laughs> the deported was pretty bad too, but. But you know Nicholson can Nicholson can put pretty much anything over. Right, so, absolutely. I didn't get that bugged by it, but I thought they did. I thought Depp and Cumberbatch both did very well, and I think Cumberbatch is just a terrific actor. Yeah, I think yeah, I, yeah, I love both of them. And Depp is Depp. I mean, Depp, you know, drowns himself in a character until you don't recognize who he is. Yeah, exactly. No, and and those uh, contacts he had for the eyes were just amazing. Yeah. Say yeah. Um, another uh, Massachusetts um, icon. I'm a huge fan of. Uh, Elizabeth Warren, tell us. Oh well, I saw you. Be glad to hear that. Yeah. yeah. Well, I actually did a. I played at the uh, Humphrey Mondale dinner, the annual DFL fundraiser a few years ago. Oh. She was the keynote speaker, so we hung out backstage. And you know this because you know uh, Senator Warren that she, when you're hanging out with her, you th you might as well be with your think you're with your sixth grade librarian. And then when she goes out on the stump, she blows the roof off the place. Yeah, yeah, she's a, that. That's a great. I got to know her prior to her ever being a politician when I was doing stories about the economic crisis in 2008, and she was the go-to person, obviously, for bankruptcy law. Right. And she was over at Harvard, and she's she's she was a very big fan of a sports show I do on NPR called Only a Game, and we talked about that, and then we did. We named the Boston Globe magazine names a Bostonian of the year, and we named her our Bostonian of the year in 2008 nine i think before she had ever run for anything and i mean i just i mean she's enormously charming she's extremely smart oh man and as you say I, and she's she's learned faster on the fly as a politician than anybody i've ever seen right well, i mean she started out she wasn't a very good candidate when she started out against scott brown mm -hmm. and by the by the end of the can by the end of the campaign she was feeding his fingers to the wolverine <laughs> i mean it was amazing and and you know now you know with this incredible nonsense uh, about this DNA test, but anybody who sat, like you said, has sat in a room with her and then sat in the audience with her is is, is, is it's a remarkable experience. Oh yeah, well, and um, uh, we've only got about thirty seconds left here. Uh, I saw you on Chris Hayes talking about the DNA test. What do you think? Do you think she'd have a chance running for president? I don't. I see. I'm not. I make no predictions about 2020. She's going to win yeah. re-election in November by about 30 points. So I'm not worried. I'm not. You know that this won't have anything to do with that one way or the other. Uh, in 2020, I think there's so many variables. We could be at war with Iran. I suspect we're going to be in the middle of a whopping big recession, which everybody will blame everybody else for. So I, the dynamic in 2020 is so weird at this point that I don't even want to make a prediction. I think it'll be a free for all on the Democratic side. I think you'll see eight or nine or ten candidates. Uh, I don't know if there will be somebody who challenges the president. Uh, I hope there is. Uh, Kasich's making noise, but I don't know that, you know, I mean, I think he had his crack at the guy. Yeah. Uh, so, I'm, you know, I, 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 I honestly don't know on 2020. I think everybody's got as good a chance as everybody else at this point because nobody knows what the, the facts on the ground in that election are going to be. Right. We've got uh, Charles Pearson, great liberal, liberal blogger. Uh, cool cat from Massachusetts, also an author and a sports nut. We're going to have him on for the whole show, and we'll be back after these messages. Hello, I'm Dave Hutch, DFL-endorsed candidate for Hennepin County Sheriff. I've been a police officer for 15 years, and I'm running for sheriff because I believe our elected sheriff should have a vision of public safety that includes everyone, no matter where they're from or what they look like. I believe in transparency, responsiveness, and open communication. As sheriff, I will rethink how the sheriff's office interacts with ICE. I'll require crisis intervention and de-escalation training for all Hennepin County deputies. I will make it a priority to protect everyone of Hennepin County, including our immigrant communities and our native community. 
I will provide mentally ill individuals with treatment and services needed to stay out of jail. I will never send Hennepin County deputies to break up protests at places like Standing Rock. And I will never stop working to improve the relationships between the police and the communities we serve. Let's start working together for a safe and healthy Hennepin County. I'm Dave Hutch, and I'm asking for your vote for Hennepin County Sheriff. Paid and prepared by Hutch for Sheriff Volunteer Committee. I'm Connie Bure, co-host of Awakened Living Infusion Radio Show. Join Michelle Kitzmiller and I as we focus on all aspects of health, wellness, spirituality, and growth from a mind-body-spirit-emotion perspective. On the Awakened Living Infusion Radio Show, we will discuss stress, self-care, fear, happiness, beliefs, communication, joy, pain, trauma, and more. If you have a desire to live a life that is more than what you are currently experiencing, if you feel stuck or experiencing health concerns, maybe you're curious about ways to improve your life, then Awakened Living Infusion Radio Show will give you new perspectives and ways to take steps to change your life. Join us for the Awakened Living Infusion Radio Show Saturdays at 10 a.m. Let us share with you ways to infuse vitality into your life. For more information, visit us at awakenedlivinginfusion.com. Hello, humans. This is me, Ellie Krug, with Ellie 2.0 Radio on Monday mornings from 7 to 8 a.m. This week's theme is Idealist Operating Under the Radar, and I'll talk about Francis Oldham Kelsey, an FDA doctor who stood up to drug makers pushing the drug thalidomide. Her courage saved thousands of babies from being born with birth defects. The big interview will be with local attorney Paul Floyd, also an idealist under the radar. LE 2.0 Radio, engaging in real on AM 950. Hi, it's Tom Hartman. You know, Continental Diamond is special for a lot of reasons. The owners are Jimmy and Helene Pessis, a husband and wife team who had a dream to open their own store more than 30 years ago. They built a business that is the gold standard. The readers of Minnesota Bride Magazine have named Continental Diamond the best jeweler for the last seven years. Why? Amazing, friendly, no-pressure customer service, a selection of fine diamonds and design jewelry unlike anywhere else, and the fresh-baked chocolate chip cookies are pretty great, too. Continental Diamond in St. Louis Park and at ContinentalDiamond.com. With your AM950 weather, this is Eric Nelson. Tonight, expect rain before 1 a.m. with a low around 43. Sunday will be mostly cloudy with a high of 54 and a low around 35. Monday will be partly sunny with a high near 59 and a low around 43. Eat local Minnesota.com's restaurant of the week is Cafe Latte. Cafe Latte is a gourmet cafeteria with an ever-changing selection of award-winning salads, sandwiches, and soup. Plus, their bakery specializes in fresh breads and desserts. Check them out at the intersection of Victoria and Grand in St. Paul. Welcome back to the Wall of Power Radio Hour. This is your host, Paul Metzler. My guest for the whole show tonight, a charming dude, great liberal blogger named Charles Pierce. Charlie, um, let's get into uh, Jamal Khashoggi. Yeah. What a tale that is, huh? Oh, man. Did you, uh, I'm sure you followed him, um, uh, his stuff in the Washington Post, if not in uh, in other uh Yeah, outlets. I mean, I, you know, he was, he was one of the people I'd, you know, one of the one of the areas in which I am not I am far from an expert is, is Middle East politics. I'm not entirely sure anybody is, but he, he was a you know he was somebody you went to to try to get an explanation about what why stuff happens over there. And this is just appalling. Yeah. Uh, and the idea that the the president of the United States and the administration, the executive of the executive branch of the United States, is running cover for the Saudis on this is is, is incredible to me. I mean, Teddy Roosevelt was going to send the sent the Great White Fleet to Morocco. To rescue an oil executive, right now we've got now now we've got a president who lets an American resident get dismembered and and murdered, uh, and and it's and, and 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 pretends to buy this ridiculous alibi that the guy was in a uh, you know the guy was in a, a fist fight and just fell repeatedly on a bone saw. Yeah, right. I mean, With, this is nonsense. Against fifteen other, yeah, they, fifteen other guys, including a coroner. And uh, a member of the Saudi intelligence community. Yeah, this is a, this is a dog that not only won't hunt; it, it's sound asleep on the porch and may be dead. Yeah. And when's the last time you live in the world of journalists? I know uh, dozens of them. Uh, I adore the work you guys do. When's the when's the last time, besides somebody like David Carr, 
could fist fight. I'm sorry, what? I, I said, broke up, Paul. No, I said, what is the last time uh, that, uh, you know, we know we both know a lot of journalists, anybody besides uh, David Carr would actually engage somebody in a fist fight? Oh, I, I, well, I think a lot of people did. My friend John Julian, uh, who later became uh, 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 a, a television writer, uh, once had a disagreement with an editor and threw him over a desk. Sort of stuff <laughs> happens all the time. You know what? Uh, you know, and, and, and oddly enough, I mean, this is this is something I get. And Ben Jacobs, who was attacked by Greg Jean Forty up in Montana, is a friend right. of mine too. Uh, this happens a lot to sports writers. Uh, this doesn't often happen to political writers, but it happens to sports writers all the time. You know, it's, uh, it's, or at least the threat. At least the threat <clears throat> of physical. You know what, Charlie? You're absolutely right. I remembered I had uh, uh, Jim Klobuchar, Amy Klobuchar's dad, uh, one of the great, legendary, all-time, best Minnesota journalists, wrote for the Minneapolis sure. Star Tribune for years, <clears throat> also covered sports. And uh, there was uh, an incident he told me about. A night before a Vikings game, Norm Van Brocklin just wanted, uh, he wanted nothing to do with uh, writers around the team the night before. He didn't even want the general manager or the guy that owned the team. It was just going to be Norm and the boys out at the Thunderbird Hotel on the 494 Strip, right down the street from the Mall of America, which I refer to as the Fall of America. <laughs> and uh, anyway, um, they got in a little, uh, uh, at dinner, they got in a little, uh, uh, argument and Norm said, uh, "Meet me up in my room in ten minutes." <laughs> he goes to the room and he says, uh, "He goes, you know, Norm was about six foot four. Jim's about five foot seven. And he said, all I could try to do was was tackle him. He said, I went for him. He said, we knocked over the television, we knocked over the desk, and then all of a sudden, after this bear wrestle, we go, why, what, what exactly are we doing here?" So Norm <laughs> says, "You know what?" He said, uh, meet me downstairs at 7 for breakfast. So they met down in the restaurant at 7 o'clock. And, of course, Norm brought a six-pack. Before the game. Did, the day of the game. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess there is a precedent for that. But to uh, get back a little bit more uh, about the gravity of uh, the killing yeah. of Jamal Khashoggi, and uh, don't you think it gets right down to the money that Trump and Kushner have from the Saudis? Oh, I don't think I don't think there's any question about that. Uh, and I think, you know, I mean, people, you know, ki people kind of laughed at the people suing Trump over violating the emoluments clause in the, in the Constitution. Right. That's that is a that's a lawsuit that ought to have. I mean, it, it does have some real teeth if anybody wants to use it. Right. I mean, because this is this is exactly why that clause is in there mm -hmm. to prevent stuff like this, to prevent presidents or, or as they say, officials of the United States government from being compromised in this way that they can't do their jobs because of their business interests and there is absolutely no question that that's what's going on here what i mean it, the, because because they're attaching themselves to ridiculous lies right i mean they're not even attaching themselves to plausible lies at this point well and then it's and then to compound the problem you have uh, Trump going out there and saying, well, hey, we've got this $110 billion investment by the Saudis, uh, you know, to build uh, <clears throat> to build whatever they need for war. And uh, it's going to create, first it was, what, 100,000 jobs, then 200,000 yeah, million I think, jobs. I think, I, think it's, I, think it, I think now it's 18, 18 11 billion jobs. Yeah, right. And, and <laughs> I just read you know, somewhere the other day that there's only, with the defense industry in America, there's only 335,000 jobs as there is, and they're building yeah, I mean, a lot I, of I live, lot well, of I live out here in the high tech in the high tech corridor of the United States, the the, the biggest high tech you know economies outside of Silicon Valley, and all defense contracts. And there aren't you know there aren't twenty five thousand people working right. in that industry. Right. How does Trump get away with with? Uh, I you know I think I think, I, and this is a, this is for a longer conversation. This is for the next time I'm on the show. Yeah. I think. My industry has been so deadened over the past 20 years by uh, beam counters destroying it and by uh, cowardly executives who, 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 who insist on some sort of phony objectivity that my, my, my profession is now almost incapable at its upper echelon uh, to call a lie a lie. Hmm. I mean, the New York Times is tying itself in knots 
of over whether or not to call this guy as a, call this guy a liar. Right. The guy's a liar. Right. The guy will say anything. Right. Absolutely. But the New York Times is the first uh, uh, the first mouthpiece that will go out there to interview a Trump voter to see what he thinks about the killing. Right. I mean. I mean. You know. The, 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 that's the famous. You know, the expeditionary force that goes to the diner in Ohio. Uh, and, what, you know, what these people think. Right. It's you know, a, how, about all, how about all the people that how about all the people that voted for Hillary Clinton and got cheated? Yeah. You know, how about all the people who voted for Hillary Clinton in, in Montana or, you know, Kansas or Nebraska? Right. You know, let's talk to them. They can't be feeling real good right now. Why does the New York Times do that? There used to be one... Because, you know, well, well, they still are. See, that's the great... To me, the great conundrum of the New York Times is they still are essential. They still do right. essential reporting. Right. Uh, you know, they have they, they have wonderful on the ground reporters. Uh, you know, there's no there's no better reporter in American newspapers than Charlie Savage. Right. None. Okay. But their political writing is bizarre. Right. It's it's and and, and they're you know their op ed columnists just awful. But that's another thing entirely. The political writing is just strange. Right. Uh, it seems like it can be pulled in a certain direction by almost anybody. Right. And, right. and even if it, even if it's contrary to the great work that's being done in other sections of the paper, and I, I don't know I don't know that many people here that many people down there, but I can't imagine that you know the people doing the real journalism, you know, when they see what they're doing translated into the political context, don't go up the wall. Yeah. Well, and then you have Maggie Haberman, the Trump whisperer, and yeah. uh, I just, I, I can't get a, a, a beat on her at all. Well, I mean, I think, I mean, if, if, if you want to, if, if I, you want me to speculate from the elbows, I think she's tied into Ivanka and Jared. Okay. And I think that's her sources. And she has to walk a bit of a tightrope, not to alienate them. But sooner or later, you have to realize that the tightrope doesn't matter. You're walking over an alligator pit anyway. Right. You know, I mean, I mean, you know, you can't stay on the wire forever. Right. Not not at this time in history. Right. Now, what about? I, mean, I remember what you know. That, that, that there was a great saying that uh, that Carl Wallenda, the you know the great sure. uh, wire walker who uh, uh, you know came to an untimely end in Puerto Rico, right in front of the Boston Red Sox. I might add. Oh man. Uh, uh, yeah, he was. He fell off right in front of their hotel. Oh, uh, but um, he used to say, "The life is on the wire. Everything else is waiting." Right. You know, and you know, I think we're in. I think we're on the wire right now, and I think you know, I think we're in trouble. Now, you just uh, posted something on your. What is your? I uh, tell the people out there your Twitter handle because. Oh, it's uh, at Charles P. Pierce. Uh, and C, P, and P are all capitalized. Great. One word. You uh, you just uh, had some great words to say about uh, uh, the, was it the owner of the Washington Post? He came out, who came out against that really strong uh, uh, rebuttal to the... Uh, oh, no, no, it's, it's, it's the editor, Marty Barron, yeah. uh, who's my, my old editor at the Boston Globe, who was played by Lee Schreiber in the, Lee Schreiber in the movie uh, Spotlight. Oh, cool. So, yeah. Um, He's still got. He still has. He's, some a, he's balls. the best editor. In, he's the best newspaper editor in the country, and one of the best in the last fifty years. He he is not. He, I mean, he's he's quiet. He's in his own way unassuming, but he is not somebody you mess with, right? Because he will put he will put people. I mean, this guy wasn't afraid of the Pope. Okay, right. this guy wasn't afraid of the Roman Catholic Church in Boston. Right. Donald Trump's not. Donald Trump's not going to scare him. Right. And now he's got skin in the game. So now they now they've actually now now they're covering for the murder of one of his people. Right. They have really messed with the wrong executive editor. It, well, that was when I read it, uh, what you wrote the other day, now hearing it uh, straight from your mouth, it uh, it gives me hope because there's, uh, you know, like you know, it's, it's just, uh, uh, it's number one, you have the decimation of all the uh, newspapers and other, you know, alternative uh, weekly outlets and all the rest where we used to get the real truth from and then when we do get the truth then it's fighting against this avalanche uh this myth of uh fake news fake media right no that's it's, it's a tough it's a tough time to be in my business but it's never been a, there's never been a more important time to do what i do you know try to do what i do well because so, it, there isn't much left no. i mean well, bless, God bless uh, a journalist like you, Charlie. You know, and I think you know, you know, when you look at the people, the people I really admire are the people who still work for local newspapers. Yeah, who are trying to get the stick. This guy, Eric. I don't know if you know this guy, Eric Iyer. Mm. He won a uh, he won a Pulitzer Prize. He works for a newspaper in West Virginia, and he discovered that one of the towns or one of the counties, a little county, a little coal county, 
in West Virginia had been an absolute dumping ground for opioids. Hmm. I mean, it, it was they were sending. I, I don't even remember the numbers, but it was it was something on the order of six hundred thousand pills a month to this one county. Wow! And Eric caught him, went through the documents, caught him. One himself appeal at surprise, but I don't know whether the situation's changed or not. But he's my, he's one of my local. You know, if you if you still have a local newspaper, subscribe. Oh, don't let local don't let local news die because that's. That's where, first of all, it's the farm team for all big newspapers. And second of all, it's where it, it's the people who are closest to the ground. Yeah, absolutely. My guest, Charlie Pierce, uh, uh, always entertaining to talk to. We've got one more segment with them. We're going to go out with uh, Jay Giles Floyd's Hotel, and we're going to talk a little Jay Giles man in Boston <laughs> rock and roll when we come back. Number one source of the Twin Cities Gay Scene is all digital. Follow Twin Cities Gay Scene on Facebook and Twitter. Sign up for the Scene Shot email blast for weekly updates and chances to win great prizes. No app is needed to view the bi-weekly web editions of Scene. It's GLBTQ Media for the mobile generation. Find it all at TwinCitiesGayScene.com. That's TwinCitiesGayScene.com. Hey, Oli, how's that bumper crop of soybeans working out? Oh, cripes, not well, Sven. If only I had a patch of reefer to get by on. Well, did you catch that grassroots party commercial quoting from our state constitution? Get this. Any person may sell or peddle the products of the farmer garden occupied and cultivated by him without obtaining a license, therefore. Oh, what does that mean? Means you really should have planted some cannabis. You see, under the Controlled Substances Law, what's actually illegal is being in possession without a license. But if you're selling what you've cultivated, the Constitution says you don't need any license. Does the governor know about this? He sure will. If we vote Chris Wright and Duda Schwartzbacker in the governor's race, they've got Noah Johnson for attorney general, too. Boy, cannabis makes you cough, but politics makes you gag. This year, I'm going to vote right for governor. Paid for by the Grassroots Legalized Cannabis Party. Enjoy a delicious home-cooked breakfast or lunch away from the kitchen at Milda's Cafe, now open seven days a week. Milda's Cafe has been cooking up family favorites since 1964. Grab a coffee and sit down for a delicious Philly scramble, house-made rolls, or Denver omelet. Stop in for lunch where you'll find authentic Finnish pasties every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Open weekdays 6 to 3, weekends 8 to 2. Milda's Cafe on Glenwood Avenue, four blocks east of Penn. This is New Beginnings, hosted by award-winning broadcaster and speaker, Freddie Bell. Freddie, this generation of the baby boomers, people are living longer, so the baby boomers are taking care of elderly parents. Let's talk about your health, and specifically, let's talk about Medicare. Our show features the concerns of America's 78 million baby boomers in employment, finance, health and nutrition, and even entertainment. Catch New Beginnings with Freddie Bell, Saturdays at 11 on AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. As we head into fall, get your vehicle service done at Rudy Luther Toyota. Regardless of where you've purchased your vehicle, Rudy Luther Toyota is your number one destination for auto service and repair. Routine maintenance or a larger repair, easily schedule your appointment on their website, RudyLutherToyota.com. That's RudyLutherToyota.com. They're fast, courteous, and they get the job done right. And considering my schedule, I trust them. Get your vehicle ready for the cooler weather with a trip to Rudy Luther Toyota, five miles west of downtown Minneapolis on 394. Welcome back to the Wall of Power Radio Hour. This is your host, Paul Metzler. That intro song that we ended the last <laughs> segment with is Floyd's Hotel, one of the favorite Jay Giles tunes by my guest, Massachusetts madman Charlie Pierce. <laughs> Tell us about uh, your love of Jay Giles. Oh, you know, they were, you know, they're, first of all, they're, they're kind of my hometown band because sure. uh, outside of Peter Wolf, they started as the Hallucinations in Worcester. Really? Uh, that was, yeah, that was Jay Giles and Magic Dick the Heart Player. And I 
think Stephen Joe Vlad, the drummer, although I'm not sure. And then they picked up, uh, you know, Peter Wolf was, you know, this incredible late night DJ on FM radio, right. rhythm and blues encyclopedia, friend of Van Morrison, you know, hanger, hanger out of, of all things. And he turned into a great front man. And they were three of, I mean, they were probably as much fun as any band I've ever seen. They were very close to being, I mean, they were almost a house band at the Fillmore East there for a while. Hmm. And they're very, they were very close to being the American Rolling Stones. Right. I think. Well, you know, and I can't get him in, and I can't get him into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, no matter how hard I try. Oh my God! Well, call. And of course, Jay, of course, Jay, Jay Giles passed uh, last year. Mm. Yeah, that's uh, right. But uh, you know, Magic Dick is still around, right? Uh, still blowing his face out. You know, I was uh, stayed out in in uh, Boston. I believe it was in '86. Uh, on my way to uh, Greenwich Village for some gigs. And uh, I was walking down Newberry Street, and it was a gorgeous summer day, and uh, there was Peter Wolf. So He's around. He's always around. He yeah. turns up in the strangest places. Uh, and, you know, he's a, he's, a, he's, a, he's a legendary, as I said, a legendary Boston character. Um, a, a pal of mine named Ryan Wolf has written a great book about the, the recording of Astral Weeks. Yeah, right. And about what Boston, what Boston was like in 1968. I was just and I was just paging through that at Barnes and Noble the other day. Yeah, you'll see. Yeah, you should buy it because there's oh, a lot of good stuff in there. There's a lot of good stuff in there. And Peter Wolf is one of the main characters. Peter Wolf was one of well, one of Ryan. Of course, Ryan is in in a band called Hallelujah the Hill. Okay. Uh, and he uh, he was one of he was one of uh, Peter's. Uh, Peter was one of his guides hmm. to uh, to Boston music. So he's in and out of the book, including having uh, some uh, uh, you know some tapes. Of what was then called the Van, what was then called the Van Morrison Explosion, wow. which was the first band he he, he worked with on uh, after weeks before going to New York and and and, and recording it. So yeah, I, I, I could recommend that book for Christmas highly. Well, and you got to hook me up with that cat because I've been uh, yeah. I, I read a lot well, of music. Came out. He's a Twitter guy too. So okay, cool. What's his name? Uh, Ryan Walsh. W a l s a. Great. Um, well, anyway, so I saw Peter Wolf, and I walked up to him, and you know, as I do when I when I go to other cities, I, I fill my pockets uh, full of my records and things, and what I do is uh, what David Carr uh, used to refer to as me sliming people with my music, um, <laughs> but I don't. You never had a publicist or a manager. That's just how I roll. But Peter was there uh, having lunch, I believe, with two gorgeous women. So I inter <laughs> I introduced myself, and the first I, when I told him I was from Minneapolis, he goes, "How's Willie?" Murray? Murphy doing really yeah wow so we knew him oh yeah big fan of Willie Murphy and of course you know everybody knows Kern Rand Glover um, yeah so that great run and jump and stand and still uh, the record that um, uh, Willie did with Spider John Kerner back in the late 60s called you know they referred to it as psychedelic ragtime um, <laughs> uh, I believe Peter was a big fan of that he has big ears yeah, I yeah, I mean, I remember I, what I re, what I remember most about Tony Glover is he used to review records for Rolling Stones. That's right. That's right. The first and time, I think, in fact, I think I think if I remember correctly, he reviewed the first Giles live album. Hmm. I would believe that, and he also when uh, Patti Smith and the Doors both made uh, their Minneapolis debuts at the old Guthrie Theater, uh, Tony played harp. Uh, for both of those acts, yeah. Wow. The first time I met, uh, I was as familiar with Tony Glover as you were through Rolling Stone. Uh, and then, if I can add, I got to be good friends with John Morthland when he moved to Texas. Uh, right. We, we used to be uh, uh, pen pals. He'd always show up when I played. Love the guy. But uh, the first time I met, met Tony Glover, I'd heard him play because I moved to town in 78. Uh, but my first record, Paper Tigers, came out in 1984, and I included a lyric sheet. So I was setting up, I played at this club where Dave Ray and Kerner and Willie played a beautiful place called the uh, uh, 400 on the corner of Cedar and Riverside, Minneapolis, West Bank, Minneapolis. And so I was setting up early in the afternoon, I saw Willie and Glover uh, reading the liner notes to my record, so I thought, I knew Willie, of course, so I thought I'd go up and introduce myself to Tony Glover, at which point he decided he would rather take out a switchblade and start polishing it at that time. Really? Yeah, that's about... Wow. <laughs> and we've had, you know, we said hello a few times, but... <laughs> 
Tony's kind of like, you know, he's James Dean, you know, here in Minneapolis. Yeah. God bless him. Hey, we got uh, 10 minutes, or uh, excuse me, we got two minutes left with uh, Charlie Pierce. Charlie, uh, what should be we be watching for uh, in the upcoming midterms? I see Trump is already on the bandwagon with the voter fraud thing. Yeah, uh, I think you, 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 you. I think the most important day of the midterm elections is going to be the day after, mm-hmm. when we see we we see the results. We see how many. Like I said, I still think we're going to slide into recount hell all over the country, and then we have to we have to see how the president reacts, whether he works uh, through his allies in Congress to delegitimize the results. I think that's going to be the most important day. Yeah. So you know, keep an eye in Minnesota. You know, try to you know. Try to keep the Democrat in Al Franken's seat. And yeah, I don't know what the governor's race is there. There's like it's close. It's it's close. It's closer than we'd like it to be. Uh, Tim Wallace okay. is the DFL. Uh, good yeah. guy, uh, ex uh, service guy. I stand with him on pretty much everything except the environment. But that's been the DFL uh, kind of the Achilles heel for years. Really? Is well, yeah, because it's up on the Iron Range. You got the Boundary Waters. You got Lake yeah. Superior. But it's always the. Uh, um, you know, it's the unions, workers, jobs. Right. It's a, it's a, yeah, the same thing. You know, I had a, I had an argument with Randy Bryce over the XL pipeline for the same reason. Yeah. You know, it's this, it, this weird, you know, collision of labor and, and environmentalist, and it doesn't have to be. Yeah. I mean, there's a way to do that without, you know, ripping your own allies apart. But it's a long, as you said, it's a long-standing problem. With 30 seconds left, Charles, how are you, is the blue wave, does it exist? I think it does. I think its magnitude will depend on whether or not, and this is something I think I mentioned earlier, there's, if, if the late deciding voters break the way I think they're going to break, then it will be enormous. If the late deciding voters don't show up, then it could be you know a pretty average midterm, but we'll see. I, I make no predictions. I, I, I bet only on horses because they're <laughs> the only things you can trust. <laughs> Charlie, thank you so much for your time today. And, no problem, um, Paul. And, uh, Anytime. Have a wonderful week. Thanks for listening to the Wall of Power Radio Hour. The show was produced by Paul Metza, engineered by Brett Johnson, in the basement of AM950 Studios in Eden Prairie, which is neither Eden nor a prairie. Follow my new website, paulmetza.com. Hear my new tune, Ain't Gonna Whistle Dicks Anymore. Find out where I'm playing every Thursday night. I'm at Sean's Bar November 1st, Thursday. I'm celebrating my birthday party down there. So come on down. We're going to raise a little money for Homeward Bound Dog Rescue. Also, every Wednesday night in St. Paul at the Green Lantern. Hang in there, everybody. We're going to get through this uh, midterms, and we're going to end up on the right side of history. Thanks for listening. Like my dad used to say, remember to be kind and make someone happy. So I'm good.